0: Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Well, hey, we're so glad that you are here. Um, I feel like I've got a message that's going to encourage you and just really challenge you. Um, But before I jump into that, let's just welcome everybody in our online community. Come on, give it up for everybody who's listening all around the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you're ever in our area, stop by, say hello. We'd love to meet you face-to-face. And then real quick, can we just welcome our Silver Springs campus? You guys are amazing. We love you so much. We're one church, two locations, and man, I love our Silver Springs campus. God is doing amazing things there in Silver Springs, Texas. So um, I wanna tell you about one college. As you guys know, we are starting a college in the fall of this year. I'm so excited about it. And on January the 30th, we actually have an interest meeting that's gonna happen at the hub. And you can find out all the information at onecollege.org. And I just wanna like clear up something because I think a lot of people think, well, if you're going to one college, that means like you're called into full-time ministry. And that's really not true. One college is a great way for, it's a fully accredited college. So you can go through, get your degree. It doesn't mean that you're called to pastor and that's why you're going to one college, right? It's it's a great college to go through. And then you've got great leadership training that comes with it, all kinds of things. that's gonna make you come out, not only with your degree, but we're gonna equip you on everything level, and so I'm really excited about that college. Uh, Pastor Jimmy is leading that up, and so if you have any questions at all, I know nothing. He knows everything, And uh, but if you go to onecollege.org, and they also have an Instagram account, you can be able to ask questions on there. They've been putting out different information to answer things that people have been asking. I'm really excited to see what God does, amen, as we pour into the next generation. It's going to be amazing. Well, we are in part three of our Selfless series. Um, Pastor Brian's done an amazing job, and I'm really excited to bring this word to you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And I'm reading in the Amplified translation because that's the Bible that Jesus reads. And it says, And Adam knew Eve as his wife, and she became pregnant and bore Cain. And she said, I have gotten and gained a man with the help from the Lord. And next she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the first. Firstborn of the flock of the fat portions, and the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. Man, that's a bad shake. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do well, do not do well. Uh, Sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Uh, side note: Nobody else can get over your issues but you. God can want you to get over it. Everybody in your life can want you to get over it. But ultimately you have to just, you have to make the choice that I'm going to move on. And Cain said to his brother, let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Can we pray together as we continue our time? Jesus, we just thank you that God, this is a God-appointed Word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive. Every heart will be softened for the seed of the Word of God. Father, I declare in this house that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen. You know, I don't know when it happened. It happened somewhere along the way, but we were going through life, and everything was great, and it was just a normal day at the Sparks house, and one day it happened, and our remote was missing, I don't know how it happened. I I don't know at what point we lost it. It just kind of happened. And I don't know what Apple was thinking when they made the smallest remote known to creation. They're like, I'm gonna cause strife and anger and frustration and families across the world by making this tiny remote that can hide anywhere. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it is stupid how small that thing is. So not only did we lose one remote, our family has a double anointing, so we lost both remotes. And I don't really watch TV, so it's no big deal to me. I mean, as long as I have YouTube, I'm fine. And I would cancel our cable if it was up to me And for college football. Like, those are the only reasons reasons why we have our TV is really primarily for college football. So our remotes were gone and, you know, the blame game starts really quickly. You know, the kids are blaming dad, dad's blaming the kids. Somewhere in there, Brian started blaming me. I'm like, hold up. I'm the only person in this house who does not watch TV. Just for the record, I don't watch TV, so I know it wasn't me. So I will say that weeks went by. And we just lived our lives without TV. Could we watch certain things? No, because we can't change the channel. So, I mean, there was many channels that we grew to love over this period of time. And so weeks turn into months. And I finally told Brian, I'm like, we are either about to cancel cable or you're gonna go buy a new remote in Jesus' name. And so, and I told him, the minute you buy the remote, we're gonna find the other remote, right? And so he goes to Target, buys the remote, and then that day we have family coming over. So, you know, when family comes over, you try to make it look like you don't live there. You start moving stuff that you would never move. Well, I went, Brian has a recliner. Does any men in the house have your recliner? You have your chair? Um, yes, Lynn does, thank you. Um, and so Brian has his chair. It's where he always sits. The kids aren't allowed to sit there. I'm not allowed to sit there every now and then I get permission like on birthdays and anniversaries Um, I get to sit in his chair and so I went to move his chair and when I moved his chair not one remote but both remotes came out of the chair so when he came home I was holding both remotes in my hand and he said oh you found it in Brayley's room I was like no He's like, you found it in Bear's room. I was like, no. He's like, it was in your side of the closet. I was like, try again. And he goes, where is it? I said, it was in your chair. And then he goes, it still wasn't me. I wouldn't have done that. I'm like, okay, sure, okay, whatever. And in and, and preparing this message, I began to think about that in the story of Cain and Abel. And I began to think about how we are continuously living our lives in a blame game of it being somebody else's fault. Like we feel like it's somebody else's fault. And I would just wanna ask you a question as we begin our time together who's holding the remote of your life who's holding the remote of your life you know because we all get in an argument in our house of who's going to control the remote because whoever controls the remote controls what everybody watches and they get to control the volume and how long a certain show is going to be on and whether or not they mute for commercials or not right and and so and I begin to think about this how so many of us in life have either a given the remote to other people or b we've missed we've lost where we have sucked the control for our lives And here Cain and Abel are, and they start the blame game. They start the blame game that we all do when things start going awry, when we start feeling negative emotions, when things start going not the way that we wanted them to, instead of taking ownership from it and saying, is there something in me that needs to change? We are just like my husband and just like my kids, that we start pointing the finger at everybody else and have logical explanations for why they are the ones responsible. I love what Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. You know, I think we glamorize the story of Adam and Eve and we hear this story and we think, oh, but it's Adam and Eve. These are the people who walked in the garden with God. I mean, they are so holy. They had such a perfect family. And the truth is they were a normal mom and dad, just like you. They had normal kids, just like your kids. And my daughter was recently over at some friend's house. And while she was there hanging out, their family got into a little tiff, a little argument, and they're going back and forth with each other. And then one of the siblings of my daughter's friends turns looks at Brayley and she's like, "Brayley, you don't know anything about this because you're a pastor's kid. Like your parents never fight. You don't know what it's like to have a house like this. And Brayley goes, stop stereotyping my family. You don't know us. You don't know my family. She's like, my parents fight just like you. Because here's the thing is that they were normal people and they had normal issues. And when we read Genesis chapter four, we're like, wow, he straight up killed his brother. Like that's pretty extreme, right? But the truth is there was something going on long before that happened that led to him committing murder against his brother. I remember uh, it was several years ago, we were sitting in a marriage counseling session and thankfully we don't do that anymore. We have amazing elders and campus pastors and staff that help us out with that. And, um, But we were sitting in the marriage counseling session and uh, we asked the question that needed to be asked. Like, well, what brought you guys in here today? You know, kind of like a doctor's visit. And then the wife begins to tell us how they got in an argument and the husband was quick to interject that she had taken a bat to his windshield and busted his windshield out. Well, that's pretty extreme, right? (laughs) And so Brian asked the question. He's like, well, how did that happen? And so they began to do the blame game, just like the remote, right? Well, she said, no, he said, and they're telling all the events of the evening and Brian stopped him and he said, guys, this isn't about the night that she took the bat to your windshield. This is about what's been happening months, years before this point that led to that. And and here you see this extreme act of anger out of Cain. But the truth was he had been harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, comparison. There was a lot going on there long before this happened. And what you were seeing is the manifestation of all those little secret things that had been brushed under the rug. See, here's the thing. Let me just tell you that in life, whatever you don't deal with will ultimately deal with you. Like you may be able to fake it. You may be able to get over it. And I'll just say that we're gonna talk about some things today. And if these are reoccurring themes of your life, then I'll just challenge you that until you deal with those things, you're not gonna be able to go into everything that God has for you. See, in the Bible, it talks about children of God and it talks about sons of God. And in Galatians chapter four, it talks about the ones who get the full inheritance from God are the sons of God. In other words, the people who are willing to grow up in God. And I think a lot of us, are really good at getting saved. And we think this Christian walk is all about us coming to church, doing our time, maybe a little scripture read here and there if we feel like it, put a fish bumper sticker on the back of our car and call it a day. But that is not what God's called us to. God has called us to spiritual maturity. And every time we're gonna talk about four different things. And when you let these things into your heart, it will stop the growth that God has for you. It will stop the progression of where he's taking you. Because here's the thing, is that when you don't fix your heart, God is obligated to quarantine you. Because what you're putting out is toxic and it'll infect other people. And here Cain is, had been dealing with bitterness for a long time. He had been dealing with unforgiveness for a long time. But I love that God in his grace shows up to him. Let's look and see what God said in verse six. It says, And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. See, here's the thing, is that I often have wondered why did God accept Abel's uh, sacrifice and had more favor on it than Cain's? But the Bible tells us clearly, let's look at it in verse three. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Verse four says, and Abel brought to the Lord the firstborn. See, God is a God of first. Cain was bringing to God the leftovers. You know, that's when we give to God after all the bills are paid. And, and Abel brought to God the first. And God is a God of first. He wants the first thing. So he's letting Cain know, hey, you're upset that I have favor over your brother, but if you'll just do what he did, you'll get what he's got. And I'll just tell you that a lot of us get frustrated and get angry and we get bitter when somebody else gets the promotion. But the truth is, if we'd be willing to work as hard as they worked, we would get the promotion. We get frustrated because we feel like other people are closer to God and we're not. So we start to feel like, well, they're just special. And Nancy and Jimmy just wake up and they. They levitate. They never have arguments. They never have problems with their kids. And they they get close to God. Like anything they pray for, it happens. No, here's the thing, is that if you would spend the time in personal devotion that they spend in personal devotion, you would have the life that they have. Because here's the thing, we want the fruit without the roots and and we want all the things that you can see we want to live the life of blessing we want to live the life of prosperity but we don't want to do the hard work that nobody else sees come on somebody and God's giving Cain an opportunity to repent but here's the thing is that if you don't listen to what God's telling you you'll eventually stop hearing him and start going the opposite direction and all of us in here I have people tell me all the time, Crystal, I just don't hear God anymore. I just haven't been able to hear the voice of God. And I always ask them this question, what is the last thing that God told you to do? Have you done that? Because here's the thing, with my employees at our office, I would never give to Crystal Figueroa, our creative director, more responsibility if she wasn't being faithful with the last thing I told her to do that would make me a bad employer. God's the same way. Maybe he's not speaking to you because you're not listening when he tells you things. You want him to talk to you about financial prosperity, but you won't listen to him about giving. You want him to talk to you about opening the business, but you won't listen to him about cutting off toxic relationships. Come on somebody. So here's the thing is that maybe God's not speaking because you're not listening. So go back to the last thing that God told you to do and do that. So here God gives him a second chance and he still doesn't listen. We're not listen we are to talk about four different attitudes, four different feelings, if you will, that I believe that when we begin to walk in these, they're going to stop God's full plan for our lives. And I'll just tell you that all these things manifest themselves in feelings. And feelings are very real things, but I like to describe feelings like this. Feelings are like kids. You can't put them in the trunk and you can't let them drive the car. Right? Because people who put their feelings in the trunk, these are the people who are stone faced. They make all their decisions by logic. They never feel anything. They suppress everything. And how many of you guys know those people are terrible to have a relationship with, right? But then the people who let their feelings drive them are up one day, down the next. You never know which version of them you're gonna get. They're like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? And neither is right, but I think that God's called us to live a life of balance. And so as we go through these four things, I don't want you to think about somebody that you wish was here to hear this message. You're here. And I'll tell you like Joyce Meyer, this is God's word for the day. And this is God's word for you today. And so we're not gonna think about our neighbor or our husband or whoever else. We're gonna think about God, how does this apply to me? I think the first thing that began to happen is comparison. Comparison. I think what happened was he, here Cain was, and he was comparing his gift with his brother's gift. And the sad part is, is that comparison is the original sin. Satan compared himself to God. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, the way that Satan got Eve to sin is she got herself to compare herself with God again, right? And you see people, when they begin to compare themselves, it's never good because comparison does this. It could take the worst of us and takes it against the best of other people. We were in a pastor session not too long back, and we were sitting in there. And uh, the pastor was uh, the pastor was that was leading the discussion. I was sitting in the room with some of the biggest pastors in America, and uh, he asked this question of seven things that were heart issues. And he said, "Are any of these seven things what you're dealing with?" And we had to go around the room, and we had to say which one of the seven things that we're dealing with. And and I don't have an issue wasn't an option. So it came to me, and I told him, you know, I said comparison. Well, Brian, whenever we got in the car, he's like, babe, like, you're comparing yourself. Like, I'm so sorry. And he goes, who are you comparing yourself with? And he's like, he was thinking it was Joyce Meyer or Christine Kane or Bobby Houston. And he's like thinking of all these people. And so then I told him who I've been comparing myself with and he literally laughed out loud. Like, if I told you right now, you would probably laugh out loud because that's everybody's reaction when I tell them who I compare myself with. But here's the thing is that comparison never makes sense. And all comparison does is make you feel smaller than what you are. It makes you feel like you're not doing as good as you're supposed to be doing. Why? Because you're comparing the worst part of you to the best part of them. And I love what Brian said in our 21 day devotional. He brought up Cain and Abel the other day. And he said, if God isn't comparing you to anyone, then why are you comparing yourself? Man, isn't that so good? Stop comparing yourself. And, and we do this in situations like, because we'd be happy with our car until somebody gets the new car. We were happy with our house until somebody got a better house. We were happy with our wardrobe until we saw somebody else's wardrobe. We were happy with our lawnmower until we saw somebody else's lawnmower, right? I'm trying to bring it to the men. Does that make it Practical. Do y'all compare lawnmowers? I know Brian does. He looks at people's tractor like, that's a good looking tractor. I'm like, words I have never said in my life. (laughs) But we compare, right? And comparison always makes you dissatisfied. It makes you feel like you're not doing as good as you should be doing. The second feeling or emotion that we're gonna talk about is anger. Anger. And anger is us trying to fend ourselves from everybody else. Anger at its purest root is a victim mentality because it sees everybody who comes into your life as a perpetrator and somebody who's there with ill intent and is trying to take from you. And in doing this, when we act out in anger, we try to get from other people what they are unable to give to us. We're taking out frustration from others, the other things that are going on. I remember Bear was probably three years old and he was sitting in our kitchen floor and he was trying to open up this box of snacks and he was trying to open it. I mean, red face, just trying to rip it open. And I said, Bear, if you'll just give it to me, I'll open it for you. No, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, Bear, if you'll just give it to me, like I can open. it. And he was adamant. He was going to open up this box. So I sat there and I watched him and he's trying to rip it open. And I think in his mind, he thought he was like the strength of Hulk that he could just rip the box open. Well, finally he had gone long enough that he finally did get it open. And when he did the inside um, bag for the cereal was already open. And so when he did, cereal went flying everywhere. I mean, it flew up onto the countertops. It was in the sink. I mean, it went everywhere and there was nothing left in the box. And the sad part was the thing that he wanted and that he was so frustrated about, he didn't even get in the end. And and that's exactly what anger does. It sees everybody else as trying to take something when they're really just trying to help you and they're there to love you and they're there to support you. And so you live your life guarded and you think, I'm just not gonna let anybody close to me. And I'll just say that a lot of you parents are snapping on your kids for things that you're dealing with at work and you're wondering why your kids are lashing out at you at anger. Well, I found this as a parent, any issue that I'm dealing with in my children, it's because it started with me. So if my kids are walking in insecurity, it's because I'm dealing with insecurity. If my kids are... Dealing with anger is because I'm dealing with anger. I remember it was not too long back, and I was frustrated. I had a long, hard day at work, and you know, pastors only work on Sundays, so it's really hard. And um, it was a hard day on Sunday. No, it was it was a for real like it was a for real hard day. And so I came in, and I was frustrated over a meeting I had. And I came home, and Braylee had done something, and what she had done, I don't even remember. But you know those moments as a parent when you lash out in anger at your kids. And when you're looking in their eyes, you see that they break. And she broke. And my daughter's not a crier and she immediately started crying. She ran up to her room and I could hear her wailing downstairs. And I'm just still fuming, you know, in anger. And immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me and was like, you're taking out on her what happened in the boardroom. And it's not even her fault. And, And I'll just say this, husbands and wives a lot of the toxicity in your marriage is because you're taking out on your wife what's happening at work. And the sad part about anger is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because you see everybody as a threat and everybody's stealing from you, you isolate and keep everybody out and you end up living your life alone. The only cure for anger is forgiveness. It's to let it go and go, okay, there's nothing I can do about that situation. I'm not going to snap. I'm not going to sister snap on everybody around me. I'm not going to take it out on other people. I'm going to begin to deal with the issue that's going on with me, right? Because the blessing test is when I see other people get what I want, when anger comes out of you, then you've got a heart issue. I remember it wasn't too long back and I'm gonna go there. We, we got an email and I usually don't see them. So when you send your hate emails, I don't get them. But by chance, um, I just somehow, this one came across my desk and this person was lashing out in anger against us and, and just saying lots of mean, hurtful things. And you fix up your pool and you go on nice vacations and you and Brian don't give to anybody to help anybody. And I wanted to be like, sir, let me take my giving report and put it up next to yours. And I'm not talking about amounts, I'm talking about percentage of income. I wanted to say that, but that was pride. And I was like, okay. But then come to find out, I remembered the last conversation I had with him and he's struggling financially. His marriage is falling apart and he's looking in the window at our house. And because he feels like he can't have what we have, he wants to take away what we have to make him feel better. And that's what anger does. It isolates and it makes you feel threatened when somebody else gets what you wanted. The next one, are we getting something good out of this? Unforgiveness. True forgiveness is this. It's giving up all hope that things would have turned out differently. When we live our lives with unforgiveness, let me just tell you that unforgiveness does not just stay quarantined to one area or one location. It will bleed into every relationship. I was counseling a young man one time and uh, he had tons of unforgiveness towards his biological father. His biological father was a drug addict, was abusive to his wife and children, and had done lots of hurtful, terrible things, Um, couldn't keep a job, all kinds of awful things. And I'm sitting there talking to this young man, 31 years old, he's a drug addict, abusive to his wife and children, can't hold down a job. See, unforgiveness is worship. You worship your pain. And the Bible says we become like what we worship. So without knowing it, when we harbor unforgiveness towards that parent that hurt us, we, without knowing it, replicate the same behavior to our children. Because you become like what you worship. And you got to let it go. I was raised in an extremely verbally and physically abusive home, and lots of horrible things happened to me. Things that I I can't even explain to you how painful it was. And here's the thing, nothing I do on this side of eternity will ever get back my childhood. And at the age of 20, God told me, He said, if you'll trust me, I'll give you the childhood that you wish you had at nine, I'll give it to you now. And at 21, my mom met a guy and his name is Abbo and uh, he, she got married to him. He's my stepdad, adopted me as his daughter and he's who I call my dad now. And he's the dad I always wanted as a little girl. And people ask me all the time, Crystal, why do you love Disney so much? You always go to Disney, which side note, next Sunday I'm leaving to Disney. So if you, if that offends you, unfollow me now. But I love Disney because this, every time I walk in there, I'm able to feel like the kid I wanted to be. I didn't know that joy as a child. So now at 25, (laughs) I've been 25 so many times, I'm good at being 25. (laughs) I get to walk in it now. And see, forgiveness is this, is giving up all hope that things would have turned out differently and is trusting that God's gonna pay back everything that you lost. And now instead of just living a short uh, 18 years of childhood life, I get to live the rest of my life with childhood joy. And I feel like I treasure my dad more because I know what it's like to not have a dad. And I feel like I appreciate him more because I know what it's like to not have loving texts. And I know what it's not like to not have those loving texts and and phone calls and and knowing what it's like to love Father's Day. And this is what I'm saying. I would have never gotten that if I walked in unforgiveness because my mom would have married him and I would have resented him still for the pain that he never did to me. And you gotta begin to let it go and to move on. The next feeling that we have is pride. Pride. God's decision to forgive us cost him his son. Our decision to forgive only costs us our pride. And pride is this, because Cain was frustrated. He didn't want to change what he was doing, so he wanted to change what God wanted. And pride is when we begin to set ourselves as the standard that everybody should live up to. Pride talks like this. Pride talks like this. It says, if it was my money, this is what I would do. If it was my business, this is what I would do, or this is what I get. If it was my church, this is what I would do. Well, it's not your church. It's it's not even my church, it's God's church. And you're not the leader of it. And here's the thing, is maybe you wouldn't do what you think you would do. So instead of worrying about what you would do with somebody else's money, how well are you stewarding the money you have? Who sets you up as the standard that everybody should live their life up to? Because this is the attitude that drives people away, right? This is the attitude that keeps people out of church because of people saying, you need to read your Bible this much. You need to do all these things. You need to, all these things. You can't do all these things. You got to live your life like me. You're not the standard. And here he was in a prideful way was thinking that if he removed Abel, all of his problems would go away. Here's the thing is that the person that you think is the issue is really not the issue because you could take them out of your life and you know what? You go to another church, you're going to find that same person there waiting for you. You can switch jobs. You'll find that same person there waiting for you. Come on, narcissistic people, everywhere you go, there you are, right? And so if you keep having the same thing happen over and over again, there's a common denominator, It's you, right? I I went, I had a day at work one day and I was frustrated. How many of you guys know, like, when you are um, frustrated? as wives, like we're, we get really loud cleaning the house. Any other loud uh, house cleaners? Like when I'm mad, I'm like slamming cabinets, slamming doors, and Brian's just sitting in his chair like in a glory zone. I'm like, he doesn't even care, and I'm slamming everything, and he finally comes in there. He's like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, this person, and this happened, and if it was me, this is what I would do, and I'm just like like going off. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like girls, you guys know what I'm talking about when you call your girlfriend, and you're like, and then she said, and then I I said, and then she said, and then I said this. And she goes, no way you said that. No, I didn't. But if I could go back, that's what I say. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I always wish I could rewind and be like, now that I thought about it, this is what I really want to (laughs) say. Like, um, but it never goes like that. So I'm telling Brian all this. And Brian goes, wow, it sounds like you're really walking in a lot of pride. He goes, it sounds like this isn't about them, it's about you. And you need to be okay that things didn't happen the way you wanted them to go you ever wanna get a girl mad, husbands? Just tell her your wife, she's walking in pride. I'm like, oh yeah? In Jesus' name, you're gonna be sleeping on the couch. How's that for pride? Um, But I felt the Holy Spirit just immediately come in and tell me he's right. See, pride does this. It compares the best of ourselves to the worst in other people. We find the 1% they're not doing right. And we give it 100% of our focus when they're doing 99 other things that are great. But instead, humility finds the 1% that we love about them and gives it 100% of our focus. Parents, some of you are driving your kids into rebellion. You're pushing them so hard because they don't look exactly like you. They don't do things exactly like you. They don't go to church exactly like you. Let them be themselves. You are not the standard. Let them be themselves. Have some things that are non-negotiables and everything else is open to negotiation. Are y'all with me? You getting something out of this? Come on, there's wow words and there's our words. This is an our word, right? Um, Galatians 5, seven through nine in the Passion Translation says this, before you were led astray, you were so faithful to Messiah. Why have you now turned away from what is right and true? Who has deceived you? The one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Not at all. Don't you know that when you even uh, allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system. Guys, let me just tell you, when you're harboring any of these four, it's gonna affect every relationship you have. The sad part is Cain lost the very thing that he wanted. What he wanted was the approval of God. And when you read through those next few verses, God removes him completely from his presence. Any decision that you make out of anger, unforgiveness, pride, and comparison will make you lose the very thing you wanted in the first place. Come on. So what do we do? How do we move past this? Uh, Number one, I believe that God's called us uh, to acceptance. What is an acceptance? I'm gonna bring back an old school word that we used to use in church all the time and it's this, surrender. Surrender is this, is God, I give up. Lord, I thank you. I accept the situation exactly how it is and exactly where it is. You quit trying to get back what isn't and you quit trying to make it what it's not. And you just say, okay, this is the hand I've been dealt. What am I gonna do with it and move on? It's true surrender. The second thing is compassion. Compassion on two levels. I think you've got to have the compassion for the person who did you wrong. You know, I often think about my dad. My my biological dad was raised in an abusive home. He didn't know what it was like to love. I have so much compassion for him because he only was repeating the cycle that had been done for him. But with me, in Jesus' name, that cycle stops. And instead of resenting him, I have compassion for him, but then it's compassion on the second level is forgiving yourself, letting it go. Some of you keep going to God and asking for forgiveness for things that he's already removed. I love that the Bible says the minute that we ask for forgiveness, he removes our sins as far as the East is from the West. And we keep going to God, reminding him of the shortcoming. And he's going, I already forgave you of that. It's time to move on. You gotta have compassion on yourself. The third thing I think we need to do is ownership. And ownership asks this question, how can I grow from this? So when you sister snap on your daughter, I went upstairs and I sat down beside her and I let her know, Braylee, mom was wrong. I let the frustration from a boardroom come out on you. Oh, you got a level 10 reaction about a cup in a sink. And it really wasn't about a cup in the sink. And mom's wrong. Parents, your kids need to hear you say those words. It's not bad that your kids see you fail. It's bad when they see you fail and you don't repent. And so ownership, how can I grow from this? How, how can I grow from this? See, here's the thing is that when you have ownership without compassion, you have religion. Religion has zero compassion. That's why it's married to laws and rules. But then on the flip end, you can have compassion without ownership and you have self-pity and you feel shameful and so you never go after everything that God has for you and both are wrong. I believe in 2019, God's calling our church to a higher level of maturity. Why? Because it's about who's coming with us. God asked, Abel, uh, God asked Cain a question, where is your brother? And I believe when we get to heaven, God's gonna ask us a question. He's gonna say, Crystal, where's Susie? Crystal, did you bring Frank? Crystal, did you bring Eric? Crystal, did you reach out to Kat? And here's the thing is if I'm walking in those four emotions, I'm not gonna bring anybody to heaven with me because my whole life is gonna be all about me. All four of those emotions are self-driven. They never take into account the other person. All's it can think about is themselves. And God's called us to have a bigger perspective and the bigger perspective is people. God's got a big plan for your life and you are not the center of it, it's other people. And when we get to heaven, God's gonna ask two questions. Number one, did you do everything I I sent you to do? And number two, did you bring everybody I called you to bring? So we can't, we don't have the luxury to walk in pride. We don't have the luxury to walk in unforgiveness. We don't have the luxury to go in compassion. We don't have the luxury to have another pity party, right? What's done is done. We're gonna move on into everything he has for us. Can I pray for you today? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. Lord, right now we place our hearts before you as an offering. Whatever is not of you, we ask that you convict, that you speak to us. That Lord, right now as I've been speaking this, that things have been coming to people's mind. Lord, if one message was delivered, but five hundred different ones hit their ears. They're thinking about all the different things. And Lord, right now I thank you that there is therefore in you now no condemnation. But Lord, I thank you that it also says that those whom you love, you also will uh, convict and show where they're wrong. So Father, I thank you right now. Holy Spirit, you're showing us how to rise higher. You're showing us to not let ourselves be the center of our world and God that begin to be focused on other people and who we're bringing with us. Lord, we choose to let it go in Jesus' name. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you might say, Crystal, I don't know. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've never given my life to him. Friend, let me tell you, there's no prayer that you can pray than that right there. Jesus loves you. He's crazy about you. You may have given up on you, but God never has. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you say, Crystal, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you might say, Crystal, I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. Give him my life back. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about relationship. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can you lift your hand on the count of three if you wanna give your life to Christ for the first time or maybe you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus? One, two, three. Lift your hand in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this together as a church family. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take my sins and by your grace, I take your righteousness. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen, amen. At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you chose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Him today, then you can text DECIDED to 33733 so we can celebrate with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.